Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And your co-host, Marcus. Yeah. So, we had a really exciting end to the Australian Open on Sunday, with Rafa Nadal coming back from two sets to love to beat Daniil Medvedev in the final, and win his 21st major, which is of course a new Grand Slam men's singles record, breaking the tie with Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer, who each have 20. Not only that, but Rafa now completes a double box set of Grand Slams, winning each slam at least twice, which he joins only... uh, Novak Djokovic, and I believe Rod Laver is the other one, or is it Roy Emerson is the other one? Um, I believe it's Rod Laver because he won the career Grand Slam twice. So four, four in one year, he did that twice, so it has to be him. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, so massive implications, obviously, from the match. The match itself, I think, was an all-time Grand Slam final, if not the best, top five for sure. Um, five and a half hours, absolutely grueling. Uh, each set was really close, really, really good high level points in play, to be honest. Um, and of course, Daniil just makes everything dramatic and interesting. So he's a pretty phenomenal athlete to watch. And, and each of the Grand Slam finals that this guy's in seems to be super interesting and super, um captivating to watch so uh, i'm really really happy for the future prospects of tennis so let's get right into it rafa's down two sets to love how is he able to make this comeback marcus well first off i mean nadal is just one of those guys who who's always going to believe in himself and he always thinks he has a chance to win no matter the score line and no matter the situation right so he's just going to keep hammering away um he definitely changed his tactics. Uh, he kind of was playing a little bit more passive in those first two sets. Medvedev was really kind of pancaking his backhand down on his forehand. And the doll started to get a little bit more aggressive, which definitely helped him out. Um, and you can kind of tell Medvedev was also running out of a bit of gas. Uh, he had played a couple of exhausting matches, um, especially against FAA. I believe that was the quarters, right? Um, yeah, so, you know, he, he was running a little bit low on fumes. Uh and, you know, tennis is a very momentum-based sport, right? So these momentum swings can really have massive ramifications for a match. And you could cut, you could just kind of sense that Nadal was really picking up confidence and Daniil was just, you know, a little bit off his game, even though the sets were relatively tight. And then the fifth set, I mean, it was really anybody's game. It got really tight there at the end, but Nadal just kind of played, just, you know, was just more patient. And just, you know, was waiting for the right ball to really go for it in those points. And uh, Daniil kind of broke down, um, which we don't really see often. But, you know, hey, listen, this is what Nadal does. Uh, he's been doing this for years. And, uh, you know, did did we did we think that he had a shot at winning the Australian Open? I mean, I said on the pod that he was a contender. Uh, I, You and I both certainly didn't think he was going to win it, right? We called kind of Sverev and Medvedev uh, Djokovic had he played. But, you know... It's it's shocking, honestly, and uh, I'm extremely happy for him uh, because this was his worst slam by far. Um, and by worst slam, I mean he only won it once. You know, oh, pooey-hoo-hoo, he only won it once. Meanwhile, people are literally dreaming of winning these slams. So. Um, it, but it's just so fascinating that he wins it 13 years after he wins his first Australian Open, right? It's just, it's just crazy when he was like 23 years old. Now here he is, was he 35, 36 doing this? It's insanity. It's really insanity. So shout out to Nadal. Really, uh, really big effort. And, um, you know, that, that, I mean, that's what I saw, Frank. What did you say? Yeah, I think largely I would echo the same thing. 
Um, before I get into the match, I would also say it's funny because two or three days before the final, I was watching, I watched two matches by Nadal at the Australian Open. I watched one, the semifinal that he played against Fernando Verdasco, which if you have not seen that match, might be the best semifinal that's ever been played at any major. Yeah, that one was just pure insanity. Yeah, just phenomenal tennis. And then I watched the final where he ended up beating Roger and, you know, won his only, at the time, was his only Australian Open. So I would say there were two things that I really noticed with Daniil. Um, and I, 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 as much as I agree, right, Rafa, Rafa won this match, Rafa won this match, right? Daniil did not lose it. Um, Rafa's mentality is what gets him through. Um, and it's funny, like you, you ask any of the pros sort of mentally, what, who is the greatest player of all time, just from a mentality standpoint. And they almost all universally say Rafael Nadal. And that is from a very young age, right? I mean, this has, this has been who Rafa is since he was literally a 16 year old on the tour beating Carlos Moya, right? Like this guy's unbelievable. So he just doesn't say die. He never, you know, doesn't have faith in himself. But the two things that I would highlight were one, uh, Daniil's serve and two, Daniil's return. And that's why as much as, again, Rafa won this match, now taking that away from him, I think a lot of this has to do with Daniil breaking down. Uh, I think actually Rafa was fairly consistent throughout the entire match. I just think Daniil's level started out really high, and then physically he just gave out uh, for the reasons that Marcus sort of highlighted. Daniil played way too long, um, had way too much court time going into the match. I think the crowd even started to get to him a little bit, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. But if you noticed at the end there, Daniil's serve, he really wasn't getting any free points. And if there's one thing that we've seen with Daniil, right, in his first major win against Djokovic, right, because that's the match that I'm going to sort of go side by side with this one at, because A, they're literally less than six months apart, right? And B, it's a major final on a hard court. It's as close to similar conditions as you can get, right? On the other side of the net is a guy who's going for his 21st Grand Slam, has all the pressure in the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. Daniil's serve in the Djokovic match, unbeatable. Just ace after ace after ace. And if it wasn't an ace, it was a, a free plus one, super easy. And then Daniil's right back on the return, and he's able to expend all of his energy on the return to break down who's ever on the other side of the net. In, the, in that case, it was Djokovic, right? In this match, that's what happened the first two sets, right? Daniil won the first set 6-2. That's what was happening. He was getting a ton of free points on his serve, and expending all of his energy on Rafa's serve and making these long-winded points, getting every re- return of serve in, whatever. All of a sudden, in the third set, you saw the fatigue slowly start to set in. And then by the fifth set, you know, Daniil was effectively running on empty, right? And you could see this in the return percent of returns in play. In the fourth set, I believe, was at like 97%. It was above, it was above 90%. In the fifth set, Daniil was getting around 60% of returns in. So a dramatic drop-off there, right? And not only that, just from watching in the fifth set, Daniil was not getting any free points on his serve. I mean, he was missing first serves left and right, couldn't buy them to get in, and was really getting pressured on his second serve. And the main reason for that, and this is where it is, Rafa winning it, 
Rafa did a fantastic job of returning. Rafa put the pressure on at all times, did not give up. His fitness held up, which I think is astonishing, right? That a 35-year-old who went four sets in the semifinals, five sets in the quarterfinals, is physically holding up better than a 24-year-old, 25-year-old who's supposed to be in his physical peak. And now, oh, and by the way, the 35-year-old is also coming off what was supposed to be a career-ending foot surgery and hadn't really played tennis in a few months and just kind of came into it. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding. It is nothing short of astounding. Um, and this, for me, I, I, I mean, well, let's just get into it. This was, this was sort of the next, the next point that we had, right? Where does this rank in terms of Rafael Nadal's all-time major victories and in terms of the, you know, Rafael Nadal's GOAT discussion resume, we're not going to get into who we think is the, the greatest of all time, all that. But in terms of his resume, where does this sit and why is it so important? Um, the first thing I would like to mention is that Rafael Nadal is 2-0 and against Daniil Medvedev in Grand Slam finals, both on hard court, by the way, in five sets, which is something to take note of. Do I think it'll happen again? Probably not, but it's definitely something to take note of. I think that just the last point on the previous topic is that Nadal's matchup is a lot better for Medvedev. Sorry, a lot worse for Medvedev than uh, than Djokovic is. Um, clearly, I mean, zero and two. Something's you know something that must mean something. This for me is honestly his most impressive Grand Slam victory. Um, he was not the favorite. He wasn't even the top two favorite. Right? He was kind of number three, four, five, around there, right? We were kind of like, eh, let's see how Nadal does. You know, man, maybe he'll beat one of them, but there's no way he'll beat both of them. Now, he only ended up having to beat one of them. Um, uh, Did it help that Djokovic didn't play? Yes, of course it did. Do I think Djokovic would have beaten Nadal? Yeah, I think he would have. So, um, but guess what? Djokovic had his own little fiasco, and he didn't play, right? So he didn't show up, and Nadal beat whoever he had to beat. And he also beat Daniil Medvedev, who is by the, one of the best players in the world right now, if you know, if not second best, the best. And it's just coming off a Grand Slam win. Um, he's the guy to beat right now, especially on hard courts. I mean, nobody touches him on hard courts. I think it's very clear. Daniil Medvedev is the best hard court player in the world. I don't think that's arguable. We're talking about finals of Australian Open 2021 wins U.S. Open 2021, and now finals of Australia 2022. He's the best hardcore player in the world. There's zero denying that. Oh, and he wins ATP finals two years in a row. He's the best hardcore player in the world. Yeah. And Nadal's now beaten him twice. And, and he racks up all the other Masters tournaments that we talk about. So, yeah, um, that's, first of all, astounding. So I think that, and, and this is what we were talking about right before, Frank, the Australian Open is Nadal's worst Grand Slam. Right, he's only won the Grand Slam once, which is you know crazy. But 13 years later, to win your second one when you're 35, 36 on an aging hard court, sorry, on a hard court where you are aging and you've just come off a foot surgery that's put you out for half a year the year before, it's insanity. It's just absolutely crazy what this guy is doing. It's kind of this reminds me of Djokovic's win at the French Open last year. The only difference is that Djokovic beat Nadal to do it. And Nadal didn't beat Djokovic here to do it. But I'm not taking that away from Nadal because Djokovic effed up by not doing whatever he needed to do to play. So um, definitely not taking that away. So I think that those are kind of even. I think that this is his best Grand 
Grand Slam victory. The only one that's for me that's really comparable is 2008 Wimbledon when he kind of broke out of his, you know, oh, he only wins clay court slams things, and he beat Nadal at, uh, beat Federer at Wimbledon. That's the only one that's really comparable for me. And uh, one quick note about the GOAT topic. I'm not going to get into who the GOAT is yet. There's still a lot of tennis remain to be played, but this absolutely bolsters his GOAT uh, kind of resume way more than if he had gotten his 21st at the French, Wimbledon, or the U.S. Open for me. The fact that he got it in Australia and beat Medvedev in the final the way he did coming from two sets down, it's making it an extremely interesting conversation. Yeah, I 100% agree. So for me, again, I won't get into who I think is and why, but I thought Nadal was the clear number three of the triumvirate here. This completely, you know, crush the paper up, throw it in the trash. Um, This is the best result that could have happened for anyone who is a Nadal fan and thinks that he is the greatest of all time because this was his weakest point, and now he has beaten somebody twice who is definitely going to rack up hardcore majors for the rest of their career. So this is a victory that's going to age even better as time goes on. And not only that, but it is very, very, very important that Daniil Medvedev whooped Djokovic in the U.S. Open at 2021. I get it, different pressure. Novak was dealing with his own thing. It's still a major final, and Daniil whooped him. And then four months later, five months later, Rafa Nadal beats Daniil Medvedev on a hard court in a major final again. Not like once this has happened, but again. Um... So for me, I completely agree with Marcus. This is a game-changing, career-changing win for Nadal. Um, I think it really bolsters his resume. And in terms of all-time victories for him, I think this is definitely one. I think this is Djokovic 2021 Roland Garros. That's his, you know, nothing is going to beat that. And for me, Fed, um, the comparison that I would, uh, you know, think of is Fed, I think it was 2017 Australian Open, when out of nowhere, he won the Australian Open at, what, he was like 37, 38, and he beat Rafa in yeah, the final. Yeah, he beat Nadal in the final, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that for me is the clear sort of comparison here. Um, and it's kind of crazy when you think about it, because Roger was even older than Rafa is right now, which is astounding. But um, yeah, I, I, I think this is so important for him. Uh, I'm so happy for him also. And I think... Um, this really makes you sort of realize uh, how much of an all-court player Nadal is. I think that's forgotten a lot sometimes by myself included, right? We think of like, oh, Roger is the, the most complete of all of them. He's got the biggest spread of major victories between Australia, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. Obviously, Nadal's blocked off Roland Garros, so forget that. But Roger's got the greatest spread between all of them. You know, Novak right there also got a really nice spread has eh, okay at the U.S. Open, but, you know, for the most part, you can't really deny that. Yeah, only three. Yeah, only three, or the horror. Same thing with Adele. The horror, only two Australian oh, Opens now. Oh, it's insanity. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, Nadal is a fantastic hardcore player, and I think that that gets forgotten. This guy has won the U.S. Open, what, four times now? He's won Australia twice. I, I, I just... I have nothing but an am in awe of him as an athlete. That's all I would say. Um, because there were just so many times during this tournament when I was like, oh, man, 
I don't know if he's going to survive that, right? You know, if he's going to have that moment that Fed had at Wimbledon last year against uh, Hubie Hercash, where you're just like, wow, he's really showing his age. Like, he just he just doesn't have it anymore. You know, Rafa, Rafa just beat beat the crap out of that argument for whoever, you know, may have felt that way, and, and I'm very happy with it. And, and um, it's also just good for the game. It's so good for the game. There was so much attention on tennis. There was so much, you know, uh, pe- so many people watching. And this was a, a major that was on, you know, overnight, worst time zone possible for the United States and, and viewership. And um, to have so many people be interested in watching, I think, was so, so good for the game. And the only other thing that could make the game more popular right now is if Roger Federer came back and, you know, had a run somewhere. Um, that would honestly be magical. But And I can't express how much I want that to happen um but uh you know we'll see Uh, so the last thing that I sort of want us to touch upon is by the way Frank one quick note Novak Djokovic is I don't want to get into it too much but he's absolutely kicking himself or kicking something because this man has now lost out on two Grand Slam opportunities one 2020 U.S. Open, where he decides to launch a ball into a line judge's throat. Hilarious. Where he could have basically, I mean, Federer and Adol- nobody played that. It would have been him against Dominic Team and a puppy sphere of, I mean, Jesus, that was his tournament to lose. So that's one slam. And now his home slam in Australia, he can't go because he decides not to get vaccinated. And not only does someone else win it, it's Nadal who wins it, right? It could have been, it, you know, if Medvedev had won it, had Sverev won it, it would have been like, ah, you know, who really cares, right? Just like the U.S. Open with team winning. It's like, okay, well, at least one of the other big three. <laughs> Nadal comes in and snags this. Man, it changes the GOAT debate a lot. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next kind of two to three years of tennis to see what these guys are going to kind of come and produce. But, um... Frank, what are your what are your thoughts on the you know does this change anything for your thoughts on the rest of the year? You know we kind of we released our twenty twenty two predictions episode. Um, we didn't really talk about Nadal much. We only really talked about him you know winning maybe his last French Open, uh, which we thought would be his last Grand Slam. But yipty doo, here we are, wrong again. Uh, shout out to Guy, um, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so. Ten- uh, Tennis has a funny way of uh, proving you wrong. Yeah, well, especially karma. me. I had a rough second week of this tournament. The first week of the tournament, I was on fire pretty much. Kokinakis? Yeah, except for that. That was a mess. But uh, the second half of this tournament, I was, I was so wrong on so many levels. Um, but that's okay. Uh, how does this change the rest of the year for me? Um, no, I, I, we mentioned Adal for two, for two tournaments. We mentioned Adal for one, Roland Garros, which I think he is a lock to win at this point. Um, unless Dominic Team comes back and looks sick, that's the only wild card there. And Zverev as well, I think, is another wild. Dominic card. Team recently just pulled out of another tournament, so yes, I'm not really. Yes, he pulled out yeah. of um, Cordoba. Cordoba, Cordoba, yeah, Cordoba whatever. In, so he's out with the wrist. By the way, Juan Martín del Bocho coming back. Shout out to Delpo. We'll get into that in another episode. Tower of Tandil. Uh, I love that guy, but um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Nadal's definitely going to be favored to win Roland Garros. You know, even more so now. Right. But uh, the other major that we mentioned him for is Wimbledon, which um, I think still stands. Um, There's just not enough grass court players um, to really provide much of a challenge. I think it's basically going to be between him, 
Djokovic and you know maybe Matteo Berrettini, um, who I actually thought looked really. I think he played better than I expected in that semifinal. I was shocked he got a set. He won a set off Nadal. Not not a really bad result. Yeah, no, he's going to be a legitimate threat on grass. Um, I think that those three are the. I think Djokovic's favorite as of now. You know, without vaccine things going on, um, and then I think Nadal Berrettini are kind of right up there. Yeah, um, you know that my thoughts really it doesn't really change much um i don't really i don't see him winning the open or anything or the world tour finals really disagree you know really okay here we go here world we go. tour finals yeah that's not gonna Hot be his take thing. coming that's not gonna be his thing although that would actually be super important for nadal to win world tour finals because he hasn't won it before dude if he won that i mean that's actually the that's literally what he's missing that's the only thing that he's really missing yeah that's like the one like serious blemish on his resume is that he doesn't have a world tour finals but uh i think he will be a contender at the open uh i don't see why he wouldn't be he won it in 2019 he won it the last time he played it right in 2019 so i mean why not he he beat daniel on a hard court in australia like i just don't know why he wouldn't be i i think for me personally i had effectively said like you know Nadal's not going to be able to beat Daniil um Zverev I thought if he progressed which just that guy is so irritating to be honest um you know I don't think he's beaten Daniil I didn't think he was going to beat Zverev I didn't think he would beat Djokovic on a hard court anymore I thought those days were done and if you've got three players that I think could beat you you know effectively you know you're going to be out in the quarterfinals of most of the majors that are not Roland Garros and now I think that is just not the case. I mean, Nadal has proven that that is just simply not going to be the case. Um, what I am curious to see is, is that physically it did look like Rafa, and he even mentioned it, really went probably beyond what he should have because he knew that he could win this tournament if he did, and he knew the importance of it. So I'm curious to see his, you know, quote-unquote load management throughout the year. Um in terms of things that he wants to pull out from, like, is he going to go all out on the clay season? Is he going to play every single one of those tournaments? Um, you know, I think the real gap that I'm going to be curious to see where Nadal plays and what he plays is the North American hardcourt swing over the summer. You know, does he play um, all of those tournaments in the U.S. Open series, or does he sort of just say, you know what, I'm going to play Cincinnati and maybe I'll play like one 250 or 500 like the city open something like that and that's it because I don't want to go too hard yeah and I think that like for example I don't think he'll do the sunshine double I think he'll just play Indian Wells and I think he'll just leave Miami out of it go to Europe start training on the clay he'll play your Monte Carlo he'll play your Madrid Rome probably and then he'll take a couple of weeks off get ready for the French but um, yeah I expect him to load manage heavy this year he realizes that he's got a unique opportunity to win slams, especially given the uncertainty with Djokovic right now. And Federer is unfortunately completely out of the game. Even if he comes back, I don't really see him being a threat at Grand Slam. So this is a very, very unique opportunity for Nadal this year. Um, I think he grabs one more slam um, if he load manages right. And uh, World Tour Finals, I mean, we'll see. You know, I'm not really sold on that, but that would be amazing for his resume. That would seriously... Uh, make us reconsider a lot of things um so you know yeah yeah i think i think that the the thing with nadal and the rest of the year is that it's really dependent on his health again i mean uh, the story of nadal's career is his health 
right? He plays such an aggressive, high sort of pressure form of tennis that the body just naturally breaks down, um, you know, so as to whether he'll be able to hold up for a year, we'll see. Um, but this is major implications for the, the history of tennis, right? I mean, this goes from being, you know, oh, Novak is going to go up 21 versus 2020, you know, with the other two, to now all of a sudden Nadal is at 21. Novak now has to win two more majors to get that, um, all you know, that, that coveted spot as the most uh, singles men's singles Grand Slams. Oh, and by the way, the next Grand Slam is the one that Nadal's won 13 times already, so he's probably going to win that one yeah, again. Yeah, let's imagine that for a second. He wins the French Open. Now he's got 22. Djokovic got 20. Now Djokovic's got to win three to take him over. I don't know if that happens. No. I, and you know what I think this tournament has done for me? I think this one has made the paradigm of, oh, Novak is going to win, you know, five majors maybe um, over the next two to three years because uh, Fed is effectively out of the picture. Maybe at Wimbledon he'll make a run, something like that out of the blue, but effectively he's out of the picture at this point. And Rafa is just going to have Roland Garros. And we don't know how much longer that's going to go on for, right? Because Zverev's getting better on clay. Sitsipas is getting better on clay. Dominic team, if he's healthy, um, is right there. Was about to beat Nadal pre-COVID. Was was like literally right there on the cusp, um, and I think that that paradigm has flipped. And I think now we've got to sort of take a look at Djokovic and say, "Hey, when's the next major you're going to win?" Because Daniil is just getting better and better on hardcore. And for me, honestly, and I say this, you know, truthfully, I I thought that Daniil was going to win this major, whether Djokovic played or not. And if you're telling me that time is just going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on betting on Daniil on every single hardcourt major because this guy's not going anywhere anytime soon. As he should. He's entering his yeah, prime. Yeah, he's just he's going to be the favorite over Djokovic now uh, at these hardcourt majors. And as much as, you know, Sasha Zverev irritates Marcus and myself to extents that are beyond, you know, Comprehension, comprehensible yeah. and, you know, on this podcast, he is going to be right there for all of these majors, quite frankly. And, oh, yeah, that Sitsipas guy, he looked pretty damn good for this tournament. So he's right back in this discussion of a player that can win a major, if not, you know, if he will win a major, when he will win a major. And, oh, yeah, that kid from Italy and that kid from Spain, they're pretty damn good, too. So uh, this is becoming a little dicey for, for Novak now, all of a sudden. I think it was very clear for like most tennis people that Novak was going to finish with the most majors. That was like a pre like that was a uh, an assumption for all of us because, you know, time was on his side versus anybody else, his play style, the whole thing. I think that that paradigm has shifted. I I think I think we're seeing a, a, a all of a sudden this is becoming a lot more murky now. And that's why Marcus and I have not made this greatest of all time podcast episode yet. We're fully aware that that's the one that people wanted to hear. We're not going to do that because the story isn't done yet, and I'm very happy that it's not. Yeah, and and listen, you know, Djokovic is basically he's in a pickle. Um, I either, you know, if we just talk about the COVID thing for a second, I mean, either it's going to go one of two ways. One, he's going to need to be vaccinated to play any of these events, or you know, countries are going to start dropping their COVID policies because Omicron's becoming, you know, and COVID's becoming an endemic situation. 
he needs to figure that out ASAP. And he needs to figure out with his team what he wants to do because there's no way that he can put himself in another position like this if he really wants to be the GOAT. Now, if he wants to stand for principal and whatever have you, fine. You know, he, he can do that. But if he wants, if you, you know, if you want to win the GOAT conversation, you need to take a hard look at what you're doing out here because it just makes it a lot more difficult. And, um, you know, listen, I want Djokovic to play in Grand Slams. I want him to be there and compete. You know, it makes tennis so much better than him not being there and just kind of losing this thing, fizzling it out. You know, I'm not saying I want him to win, but he needs to be in these tournaments. He really does in order to stimulate interest. So, you know, that's all we got for you, folks. Uh, you can give us a follow on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7. Shoot us a DM, comment, like, follow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. If you want to be on the pod, please DM us. We are going to be hosting some guests soon, so we would love to hear from you. You can also email us, breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com, although probably no one's ever going to email us. But if you want to, go old school. Be my guest. and uh, We're also available via Carrier Pigeon. Correct, yes. At any address in Bayside will do. Just tell the pigeon to drop it off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.